Hey there, this is the Hello Personality Podcast, where you can learn to take your personality type from a casual curiosity to a life-changing path for growth, all for the purpose of creating a life focused on who you really are and what matters most. I'm Leslie McDaniel, and this is episode nine. And we're going to wrap up the final episodes of season one here and the 16 types personality system with a deeper dive into your personality type by going way beyond the four letters that we've been talking about here on the podcast. As a side note, in the final episode of this season, I'd like to answer your questions about anything that you want to know about from this first season and before we move on to the Enneagram in season two. So if you have any questions, just go to hellopersonality.com slash podcast and submit your questions in the little pop-up window that you'll see that will come up when you go to that page. I'm really looking forward to seeing and answering your questions. Okay, so in the previous episodes, we talked about the truth about the letters of your 16 types personality, and that is E versus I, S versus N, T versus F, and J versus P. The side that you prefer most often and most naturally from each of those pairs is the letter that is represented in your personality type. Well, as you probably know, I've been hinting at this all along, the letters are not enough to help you really understand who you are. And they don't really provide a guide for how to anchor yourself in what you really truly want. You probably want a lot of things in your life, and you may find it hard to choose between two competing wants or desires. You may even let your fears or frustrations get in the way of your progress and on your way to becoming the best version of yourself, like fears about what other people will think or not being able to take action in a certain and clear direction like you're used to. I know you're a natural problem solver, and you're probably pretty good at whatever you set out to do but you can get pulled off track of your, of your own desires and interests because there's always another project or there's always another problem that you have the ability to help with. The idea of achieving or accomplishing something and becoming the best version of yourself probably really energizes you. I know it does for me. But you may end up finding that you put your identity in your work or your projects or in acceptance from others, or waiting for validation for either of those things, like who you are or what you do. And you may have a, a identity as a person who gets the job done. This way of being in the world, which is actually pretty natural for you, can really pull you away from who you are at the core. And it can cause you to lose focus on your own internal system of values and needs and wants. How can you clarify and hang on to what you want most, even when you're faced with those expectations from others, or the thought of having to achieve less in order to really refine your focus on the things that are most important to you? Now, I'm not saying you're going to achieve less, but sometimes we have to face that decision. Do I want the achievement or the accolades or the validation or maybe even the success? Or do I want to really hone in on who I really am and what matters most to me? So if the letters are not enough to help you do this, how can you zero in on what really matters? Well, these letters, even though they're not enough on their own, they do offer a code to help you answer these questions. 
And as someone who's listening to this podcast, I know you're someone who values curiosity and who has an openness to learning. So I want to just take a second here to acknowledge that you may not be sure of which side of the letter dichotomies you actually prefer. That's totally okay. Or you may have already taken a personality test and you're wondering if you were mistyped because you've heard me talk about my own mistyping journey. That was in episode three. And you've probably heard me talk about how easy it is for someone to have a stereotype about something related to this personality type system and how easy is it is for someone to land on the wrong personality type when just using a test. Well, the purpose of what I'm going to share over the next few episodes is not necessarily to give you your correct type, because it's not likely that you're really going to land on your type just by listening to what I share. If you go way back to the beginning of this podcast, I talked a lot about the need for self-observation and self-reflection. So my hope is to give you the tools to be able to do that. And I hope to help you see how you can use the deeper levels of your personality type once you identify it to keep making progress and to help you make the most important decisions in your life. And those decisions are about what matters most. And you can do this by maintaining a focus on your inner core. In these next episodes, then, you're going to learn how to go from focusing on all these external things and maybe even the external validation that pulls your focus away from this core to knowing how to anchor yourself in who you truly are. You'll see how to channel your time, your energy, and all of your resources to the things that are truly you and to not waver from that. And this is going to create lasting impact in your life, in other people's lives, and a personal transformation. I want to show you how to make more personally fulfilling decisions, decisions that are rooted in who you are, instead of just the things that will make you feel productive or accomplished. If you really want to know yourself and you really want to zero in on what matters most to you, we need to go deeper than the letters of your 16 types personality. These letters, as I mentioned, act as a code for the underlying mental wiring of your brain. And that mental wiring is represented by something that we call the cognitive or the mental functions. So your mental wiring or the cognitive functions are the key to handling any doubts and fears that you may have when it comes to spending time on what really matters to you and what resonates deeply within you. So the layer beneath your letters consists of the basic mental functions of sensing, intuition, thinking, and feeling. As you already know, based on the previous episodes, you use all of these functions. But just like you have overall preferences in the letters of your personality type, you have overall preferences for each of these functions as well. And each function you use is either turned inward toward your inner world or outward or externally toward your outer world. And you have preferences for that too, for each of these functions. Now, as a side note, you're probably going to hear me refer to these things as functions, mental functions, cognitive functions, mental wiring, but all of them refer to the same thing. To help you understand these functions and their role in your brain, there are a few different models or metaphors that, that we could use. You may have heard of something called the car model, which is really helpful, but I'm going to break it down to something that's even simpler. I want you to imagine a string of four beads. 
Now, this string of beads is going to represent your sequence or the order of your mental wiring, your cognitive functions. And if you've studied this personality type system a little bit, it's okay if you haven't. But if you have, you'll recognize these beads by their technical names, which I'll share. The first bead or bead one is your dominant function. Bead two is your auxiliary function. Bead three is your tertiary function. And bead four is your inferior function. But if this is all new to you, that's totally okay. Those names are not really all that important. It's the position and the order that each bead holds in this sequence that can help you understand the relationship between the beads or the functions and how they impact each other and how they impact your mind wiring since that's what we're really talking about here. So the first and fourth beads, the first and fourth functions have a really interesting and pretty unbalanced relationship. So I want to spend a bit of time talking about the way these two functions impact you and the amount of attention that you give to each and the impact this has on you and your ability to connect with what you really want. As you can tell by the name, your dominant function or the first bead in the string is the thing that dominates your life. It's the water in which you swim. Now you can't help but live from this function, and it colors everything about you and the way you exist in the world. This dominant function is so automatic and natural that you may not even know when you're using this function, and you may have no idea just how good you are at it. And when you're younger, you may not realize that everyone doesn't have the same strength. You'll feel pretty confident in using this dominant function. And it's so natural for you that if someone pointed it out, and talked about how good you were at this, you'd probably just offer a shoulder shrug like, yeah, uh, of course I am. Now you enjoy using this function, but you're probably overdoing it too. And you may really feel the effects of giving this function so much of your time, but you're still going to be compelled to use it over and over again. So like I was talking about earlier, For many of my clients, this thing that I'm talking about, this thing that you do over and over and over that's so natural for you, is the ability to problem solve and figure things out. It's the ability to step in and get things done and to help others by being a really wonderful resource or an asset to whatever they may be working on. For these clients, this function is oriented to the external world. And so for this type of client, The external things like the new projects, the tasks, the ability to step in and help others solve problems, those things are so natural that it can be like overdone in a way. And the result of overdoing this, this compulsion toward these external things that I just mentioned, comes at the expense of being able to honor your own desires and sometimes even identifying your own desires. Now, for other types of clients, this imbalance that I've been talking about may look like being so experimental, trying new things uh, so much that you struggle to have any routines uh, or any plan that could anchor you and rejecting anything that could hinder your freedom. That's another struggle between a dominant and inferior function that other types have. For other types still, it may look like being so focused on mentally preparing for every eventuality and avoiding surprises or avoiding the unfamiliar that you really struggle when 
anything out of the ordinary or anything new or anything unexpected comes your way. For yet another group of types, it could look like being so focused on your inner world of feelings or beliefs that you ignore or push away external feedback or external standards or external measurements of your progress. These are just a quick summary of some of the main struggles that are related to the four categories of personality types in the 16 type system. There are 16 types in this system, but we can categorize them into four large groups. And we'll talk about each of these struggles for the the four groups in more depth in the next episode. So overdoing this dominant function is much more likely if it's not at least a little bit flavored by that last bead in that string of beads that we talked about, your cognitive function sequence. And this is called the inferior function. So the inferior function then is, as the name implies, inferior. When it comes to the job of this function, it's pretty limited in what it's able to do. It's still an important part of your cognitive function sequence, but if you compare this function, the same function in the first and the last position of the string, like this function if it were dominant and this function if it were inferior, that same function would have vastly different abilities. It would be like comparing the ability of a toddler to the ability of a wise older adult. When using your inferior function, you can fluctuate from feeling really great about it, especially in small doses, but then you can feel easily overwhelmed and out of your league when you're required to operate from this place too often. So with this first grouping of types that I described and that that main struggle between the dominant and inferior being required to only make decisions based on your inner feelings and personal convictions all day, like that would be the inferior function, would be really difficult and would feel stressful because you're used to being able to kind of set those things aside at least to a degree and for the time being just to get things done, just to keep moving forward. So you have to be really intentional about using your inferior function because it's typically not an area where you want to spend all your time, even if you do enjoy it at times. The reason you have to be really intentional and because it's not where you want to spend all your time is because it is directed towards the world that you don't prefer. And it's the exact opposite of the thing you're doing all the time that makes you feel like a shoulder shrug, your dominant function. So what I mean by it being directed towards the outer world is that if you're an extrovert, this inferior function is oriented towards the inner world. And if you're an introvert, this inferior function is oriented towards the external world. And it does the exact opposite things. So if you lead with a thinking function, your inferior is a feeling function. If you lead with a sensing function, your inferior is an intuitive function, and so on and so forth. This inferior function can create doubts and insecurities and fears. And you feel most confident and comfortable in the world of your dominant function, but this inferior function speaks to you from the back seat, sometimes screams at you from the back seat, letting you know, just like a toddler, that it's always there and that it also needs some of your attention. It's really important to understand, as I mentioned, that your dominant and inferior functions are polar opposites of each other. Think back to the beads that we talked about earlier. When we look at the tension between the dominant function and the inferior function, or the first and the last beads, those beads are pretty far apart. 
So that means that the dominant function is going to be way more used than the inferior function. The dominant function is always much more comfortable than the inferior function because as I mentioned, it's oriented in the direction that you naturally prefer. So if you're an extrovert, it's oriented towards the outer world and vice versa for being an introvert. In the same way, your inferior function is way less comfortable because it's the exact opposite oriented towards the opposite world. As we talked about this earlier, the dominant function is overdone. And we often don't pay enough attention to the wisdom of, the, of your inferior function because it's the opposite. It's the opposite of the water in which you swim and the opposite of what you're doing all day long, very naturally and very comfortably and very confidently. This means that part of the key to living a life more focused on what matters most is giving adequate attention to your inferior function, even if it feels difficult to go into that opposite world and to focus on something that's so opposite of your natural way of being. I I don't want you to think you have to immerse yourself in your inferior function or spend massive amounts of time in this place, um, in this place that feels less natural. And you don't have to do that in order to give your dominant function the benefits that it needs. But your inferior function is what you're going to ignore all day if you can. You have to make a conscious choice to spend some time in your inferior function. So that means if you're an extrovert, you have to slow down because it's an introverted function. If you're an introvert, you have to get out in the external world. Okay, so now that we've talked about this important relationship between the first and last beads, or your dominant and inferior cognitive functions, You might be wondering about your own functions and the struggles you experience when you don't pay the right amount of attention to your inferior function. Well, we're going to dig into the major struggles of the personality types in the 16 type system in the next episode. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you because I think you're going to gain a whole new perspective of your 16 types personality. And if you don't yet know your personality type, I think this is going to give you a clearer picture at least from the aspect of which of these struggles seems to be my core issue in life. Before I go, though, if you have any questions from this first season of the podcast, I would really love for you to submit your questions at hellopersonality.com slash podcast, and I'll answer any questions you have in the final episode of this season. Hey, one more thing. Would you be willing to review this podcast? Now, this is something I haven't mentioned before, but it really would help this podcast find more listeners so that they too can better understand themselves through the lens of their personality type. Okay, so submit your questions. And if you would please review the podcast, let me know what you think of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But I look forward to seeing your questions and reading your reviews. And I hope I can make this show even better for you. I'll see you next time. Okay, take care.